Hi there and welcome. Now it's time for America's favorite podcast. Leave your mark with your host, Vince Cortez. If it's fly, loose fit it. It's Cortez. If freeze and chubbies in it. It's Cortez. Leave your mark. It's about inspiring the world. One guess at a time. Pass the word from Brooklyn to Pittsburgh, from urban to suburb. It's Cortez, you heard? And here is our host, Vince Cortez. This is Leave Your Mark. I'm Vince Cortez, and today's guest is Heather Hutchinson. She is an Amazon best-selling author of Holding On by Letting Go, a memoir, an award-winning singer-songwriter with three albums released and a fourth and a fifth one on their way. She's been blind since birth and having struggled with mental illness from a young age, she is passionate about educating people on disability and mental health through her music and her writing. She's also an avid traveler and has spent time living and teaching English in Latin America. Latin America, sorry about that. Uh, thank you for being here today, Heather. Appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Now, yours is a very, very interesting story. So I want to touch on right away where you were born and raised and how life was like when you were a youngster. Yeah, so I was born in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and it was very cold. Um Life was super normal for me. I have an older brother and we spent a lot of time running around playing together um, with him and my cousins and things like that. Like I never really realized that society viewed me as different really until I guess kindergarten. So around starting school. It's very interesting. So now you had just the one brother, Brad, and then uh, your dad, Don was a worked in oil and gas company in the management and mom linda was a paralegal and then later on a tvi coach yes okay so uh what were the interests that they had did, did was there anything that they did in front of you when you were young you didn't realize that it weighed in as an influence or that was just something that happened later i think like nobody in my family was really musical, but they always listened to music. And when they sort of realized that I was, you know, gravitating naturally in that direction, they really encouraged me to follow that. They, you know, signed me up for lessons and um, encouraged me that way, encouraged me to keep writing. Um, so. You know, that was part of it, too. Let me ask you a question, because this is a, such a tender situation, because when your child is little and precious as you are, um, how were they when they found out that their daughter was blind or you were having issues with your vision? It was hard for them. I was really young when I was only a couple months when they found out. And then it took a couple years to get a proper diagnosis. Um, but yeah, it was definitely challenging for them at the time. I didn't realize how much, but I think it is, you know, a, a grieving process in a way because you don't really know what life's going to be like for your child. Now, as far as that, did they, um, was there things that they felt that they needed to do maybe either in trying to protect you or, uh, in the light of maybe we need to expose her to something different than other kids because of what you were going through? 
My parents were really good about, I, I know, unfortunately, a lot of kids with disabilities sort of get um, put into this little bubble and they're not really allowed to experience things. They're not really allowed to get up and, you know, fall and get up again sort of thing. And my parents were really good about that. They did make sure that I had um, extra supports like being able to learn to read and write in both print and braille. So things like that. So basically they started um, braille with me a little bit early. My mom was learning it kind of at the same time as I was. So yeah, they were they were supportive in making sure that I had everything I needed, but they were also really encouraging of me to, you know, go play in the dirt and run around and fall down and skin my knee and get back up again. This is awesome. So it, 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 looking back at this point, you're, situation of being a vision impaired or vision challenged your mother turns out to be a teacher in this particular category so you actually had influence on her and her yeah, career yeah, later on sure. and usually it ha seems that it happens the other way so now you're off and running your parents are being incredibly resourceful and supportive and loving of their daughter and you're in school and what, how does uh, getting through school happen for you? What are your interests and, and activities that you get involved in? School was challenging in some ways because I often didn't have what I needed. Like it was hard to get textbooks and things like that in Braille. Um, I didn't have a calculator for math, things like that. So the education part of it, there were definitely challenges. Um, in terms of interests, I spent as much time as I could in the band room at school. So any any sort of music classes I could take, choir, band, anything like that. Now, as far as this goes, because you we're, we're we're touching on some things here. Um, you're in high school, and at the age of sixteen, you have your first album. Yeah. So there's a lot going on to create an album, and at this point, you know, being young. And you were attracted to music with your parents putting this in front of you. Um, when when did you start playing an instrument? And then when did you begin to write music? I think I always wrote music to some degree. I remember walking around when I could barely walk with this giant tape recorder and recording my own made up songs and stories. Um, I started piano lessons when I was, I guess, just before I turned six. And it was actually um, sort of a, a thing to help with physical therapy, not so much music at that point. And I, I really didn't like piano lessons at first, so I didn't stay in them for very long. Um, then I kind of gravitated back towards music and piano in my early teens when I started songwriting more seriously and I kind of realized well I need to be able to accompany myself somehow. So you move right along here so in another two years uh, you come out with a second album yes. and then there's a little bit of time goes by from that second album and you graduate high school go on to university at Grant McEwen University and a two-year degree in music and then you move to Lima, Peru. So these are some big decisions to, to you're leaving the, the country and starting a new life at such a young age. And share with me, you know, where your wonder was and what you were expecting that adventure to be like. 
So for me, I grew up surrounded as much as possible by the Latin American community in Canada. And I, I found them really, really open and accepting of adversity, I guess. Mm -hmm. I guess adversity is maybe less scary to them as, as it is to some people here. So they, that just comes across as them being way more comfortable with me and very um, intuitive to what I might need and what I don't need. And I really wanted to go down to South America to really be immersed in, in that acceptance to be different for a different reason, you know, instead of being the blind girl all the time, be the girl from Canada. Connect with us on LinkedIn. Be our friend on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You are listening to Vince Cortez. We just want you to leave your mark. This is something that you, we're going to touch on here. You, you have mentioned that you can provide some real world strategies for coping with mental illness or disability. This is these are deep conversations. So and what you just referenced there was the word acceptance. So, I mean, as a person, it's vision impaired or challenged, you know, what were the things that say people that didn't have your situation like for you to be around or to try to have relationship with? And, and how does life go for someone in your situation? It can be challenging for sure. Not so much really with friends and family, but it's, it's the strangers. It's the people that don't know you, you know, they, they often give pity instead of acceptance and we don't want pity. We want acceptance. So, or, you know, they're just really awkward. They might come up to me in the grocery store and be like, well, what's it like to be blind? And it's kind of like, well, what's it like to be sighted? Like, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question really, or, they will, for example, if I'm out at a restaurant, the waiter will talk to whoever I'm with instead of me. Like, what would she like to eat? As in, I can't speak, apparently. So just kind of these awkward things. And then when people get to know me, like a lot of my friends will tell me, like, it's just not something they ever even think about anymore. This is, this is where, how do you have, like, because it, it feels like there would be pressure or anxiety in a situation in which there really needs to be none. Yes. And the idea of these individuals being themselves. And, and um, again, when you're referencing acceptance, it's like you just you just like you said, you don't want pity. You want to feel like a normal person. So uh, you're, you're dealing with this through your youth and now into young adulthood. I mean, you're basically an expert on managing people in this uncomfort zone, so to speak, not knowing how to approach you, not knowing how to speak with you or, or to communicate with you. So, I mean, I don't I don't know what could be more challenging for somebody than yourself where you want to feel normal and you want to be treated normal. But this this like invisible thing continues to appear. Yeah. So can you share with me how like as a young person, now a young adult, how, how you progress through something like that? There's, you know, you, you're managing your way is an incredible journey for somebody in your situation. Yeah, it's been a challenge for me. I think some blind people are just 
maybe more naturally adept at it. I'm not. So it's been something that I've really had to work on. Um, for me, I want everybody to feel comfortable because if they're comfortable, then I can be comfortable. But that's not always realistic. And then there's also the part that you educate one person and there's so many more, you know, every day is educating new people. And, and it does get tiring because, you know, there's really no end to it in sight, I guess. So that's something that I've really struggled with. I've struggled with the anxiety of feeling like I need to be on all the time when I'm outside of my house. So, you know, on and available for people to ask me questions that they really shouldn't be asking as somebody <laughs> that they don't know. So, and, and also the whole like ambassador, I guess, of, of, you know, it's, it's wrong. It shouldn't be this way, but sometimes I feel like I have to be a good ambassador for other people who are blind because often, and I've heard this before, people will be like, oh, I met this blind person and I thought you would be the exact same. Like, no, we're all different with different personalities. So, I mean, some of us are nice, some of us aren't, but for me, it was always, oh, if I, leave a bad impression, then I'm just going to make things harder for the next blind person. So it was a lot of pressure and is a lot of pressure to be on all the time. Let, let me ask you to share an insight or experience on an inpatient psychiatric care, like the barriers that people are faced with, with the disabilities. Yeah. So for inpatient psychiatric care, it was actually one of the lesser experiences that I've, I've had with um, barriers, I guess people were for the most part in the hospital setting very accepting because they're dealing with all kinds of, of different people from different backgrounds. So, you know, you can't really be shy about those sorts of things when you're uh -huh. working in that setting. So it was actually you know, as hard, as difficult of an experience as it was, it was really positive for me in that way. But now, how would you um, help someone or a loved one who's facing these types of challenges? I think for, for mental health in particular and for disability as well, I think it's important as a society, as people, that we become better listeners, that we're not always trying to fix a situation because some situations can't really be fixed. Sometimes people just need that support. Sometimes people need help to access professional services if they're really struggling. So I think it's it's so important to listen, to take care of ourselves as well, because we can't take care, we can't help other people if we're not taking care of ourselves, but really to become better active listeners. That would probably be the best way we could work together to, to create a more inclusive world. Mm -hmm. yes. Now, let me ask you, um, you're passionate about providing encouragement to those that are struggling with depression. And you're a person who has reached rock bottom and you're now in recovery. So what advice or suggestions would you give from your experience for people going through similar situations as yourself? Give yourself a bit of grace. You know, we all have our on days and our off days and it's not, you know, recovery is 
not a finish line. It's, it's a choice that you make every day. You get up and you make the choice to try again for another day. So give yourself that grace to, I think our society is a bit um, obsessed with the quick fix. So if we're practicing, you know, self-care or, or different ways of thinking, different um, therapeutic techniques, sometimes it doesn't work the first time or you know mindfulness for example or meditation it's something that takes practice like anything like music like sports it's something that we have to get good at and some days we're going to be better at it than others and and that's okay but don't give up on it don't write it off the first time just because you think oh i'm i'm no good at this this doesn't work you have an incredible amount of patience and I would say that your focus is just as I could only dream about where your ability to uh, comprehend beyond your own situation and, and deal with a whole situation and that being from a young age through your, through your young adult life. Now, that's an incredible accomplishment that you've done. If you are listening from Australia, Florida, or just from around the corner. From East Coast to West Coast outlets, if you're not into the dirty South straight, make a left body body. Contact us. Leave your mark with your host, Vince Cortez. What I would like to do, because I, I want to touch on your music one more time here before we wrap this up. And um, uh, I want you to share real quickly with me, though, that you had... Uh, gone through some anxiety and depression in a unique situation of being hospitalized during the COVID-19 pandemic. And you had your new memoir, Holding On by Letting Go. And this is your story about a, 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 your life of a blind person living in Canada and Latin America. So could you share with me that experience? Of uh, being hospitalized during the COVID-19 pandemic. So I was hospitalized close to the beginning of it. So there was still a lot that people didn't know. And it was very challenging because there were no visitors allowed. So, you know, you really want somebody in that chair next to your hospital bed, you know, a friendly face, uh, somebody you know. But during COVID-19, there were no visitors. So it was something that I really had to go through alone, which was hard at the time, but really probably was in a way for the best and did make me stronger and um, leave me feeling more capable when I got out. Now, did you have COVID? No, I was hospitalized for psychiatric care. Okay, so and because of the rules of the COVID at the hospital, the anxiety, okay, that's yeah. just, yeah, that could be a very difficult situation. Now your memoir, Holding On by Letting Go, can you share with me how that title came to be and give me a little sprinkle of what that's about? So Holding On by Letting Go to me, it was actually my best friend was one of the first people to read the first draft of my book. And I said, what, what is it about to you? And she said, surrender. And I was thinking about it and I decided that surrender is a lot different than giving up and sometimes to get to a better place we have to surrender we have to throw our hands up and say I can't do this on my own I need help so to hold on 
you need to let go of of a little bit of that control of a little bit of that i can do everything on my own i can fix this on my own because we can't always yeah we need help there's no doubt about it in this life we need we need people to help us get through now real quick you did share a backstory with me before we got on the interview uh, about one of your favorite music experiences in a stone church in Lima, Peru. Could you share with me what that performance was like? Yeah, it was really cool. Some of my favorite performances are actually the small ones because there's just this really cool connection with your audience. So there was this tiny stone church that was up in the mountains of Peru in, in a tiny little village that was really beautiful. It, it kind of looked like Machu Picchu, but without all the tourists. So a lot of stone buildings and things like that. So there was this tiny little church and the stage was actually carved out of earth. So it was really cool. Oh, really? And yeah, there were no instruments, no, no, um, anything really no internet so just organic yeah like i basically just had to go up there and sing because there was nothing and there were all these people that had walked for miles from other villages to be there that day and they were just so appreciative and such a a lovely little audience so it was one of my favorite performance experiences for sure well what i would like to do now because you're your music has been a little bit staggered because of the COVID and then not being able to travel or get out in front of people. Um, would you share with me if you think that being uh, a person of help, like possibly having your own podcast and providing support on another level besides just your music, would that be something you'd consider? Yeah, for sure. That sort of thing. And, and just traveling around sharing my story really, however, in whatever media that I can get it out there, because I just really want people. I know how alone I felt when I was going through certain parts of of what I went through, especially in the past couple of years with being hospitalized and things like that. And I, I just really want people to realize that that they aren't alone because it it can be a really lonely journey. Well, I'd like to ask that question. I think you answered it partially. How would you like to leave your mark in this world? You're, you're still a young lady and you got a lot of life ahead of you, but you've done some incredibly courageous and, and powerful things. So how would you uh, like to leave your mark? I think one of the things about what I've been through is the most painful part of it is the thought of somebody else having to go through that and somebody else having to go through it that alone with no answers. So if part of my story can be of help to other people, then, you know, that really gives me purpose and it gives me a why that I need to be able to get out of bed every day and keep trying. Because if I can reach one person, if I can make one person feel a little bit less alone with what they're going through, if I can help one family member of somebody who's struggling with disability or mental health, if I can help them to understand a little bit better what that loved one is going through, then, you know, it's so, everything I do is so worth it. That's amazing. What a big heart you have and, and, and an incredible amount of courage. Uh, you're, you're just doing what you're doing is an, an inspiration to all of us. 
And I'm sure anyone that hears what you have to offer is going to feel touched by it. So I think it's going to be plenty more than just one person. If you have a story to share, tell us how are you going to leave your mark? Contact us, leave your mark with our host, Vince Cortez, be our guest. And I would like for you now, before we wrap it up, if you would share your social media and your website and any place where we can find your work on the internet. For sure. You can visit my website at www.heather-hutchison.com, H-U-T-C-H-I-S-O-N. Um, on there, there's links to my Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. There's also links to where you can check out my book. It's on Amazon, Apple Books, basically anywhere you buy books. It's available in print, audiobook, and ebook. And there's also links on there to my Spotify, Apple Music. You can find my music wherever you listen to music on whatever platform. And my email list is, is also there if you want to connect. And I will be sharing more details about my new album that's coming out really soon. <laughs> It's awesome. You can tell you've done the promotion part before, too. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for spending your time with us this afternoon. It's just a marvelous person, your your personality. And I, I can't say enough good things about you. I'm glad you were thank you so much. gave us some time to come by and share your story with us. And just be blessed. And we're going to keep tabs with you. Anything that uh, we can do to help you out, just don't hesitate to reach out over here. And I look forward to see what you have coming up next. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Leave Your Mark today. Tune into our next episode of Leave Your Mark with Vince Cortez. Be blessed. You just left your mark. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Listen to more episodes on demand. Just click Leave Your Mark with Vince Cortez. <laughs>